Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 102, and everything that we're going to say is going to be true. Do you commit to this, John? I commit. It's taken me 102 episodes, <laughs> but I'm doing it. No more lies. <laughs> it sounds like some weird religious ritual. I commit. <laughs> I've got my hand on your shoulder looking you directly in the eyes as I say this to you. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving the old John behind. Do you commit to truth? And John, I woke up super early for you this morning to give you all the energy that you need to mm. make sure that your podcasts come out good. I've started having cold showers. Again. I've started having cold showers again. Hmm. I'm back on the uh, I'm back on the manosphere morning routine <laughs> train. Of, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear? I know you don't, but we need content for the podcast. <laughs> so I'm just going to do it anyway. Just be like, yeah, the last yeah, thing on. I want to fucking tell hear me is what this. you d- tell me what you do in the morning. Get up. <laughs> You file the calcium off your teeth. <laughs> I file I file down the calcium from my teeth. And I'm not sure why, but my teeth are getting smaller and smaller every morning. Every, sharpening them into points. <laughs> no, so I've been trying to go. I'm sleeping absolutely terribly at the moment. I don't know what's going on. I'm uh-huh. waking up every two seconds. I fall in, mm. have a brief dream. And then I wake up like two seconds later. Mm. And so I've been trying to go to bed at a more regular hour. So I'm up at 6 a.m. at the moment. Between 6 and yeah. 7. Let's say 6. And then I've got my little notebook here. Can I can show you. Oh. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can read. Can you read what I've written here? It says March 19. Yes. Uh, it says up, push-ups, yes, yoga, up, up. cold. No, no, go, go slowly. You've got to go through these slowly first. Okay. First thing we do is. Sure. You say, that, you say what says, it is and then I'll explain what it is. It says, give me one sec. It says, listen, you fuckers, you screwheads. <laughs> Here is a man who would not take any more. A man who stood up to the scum. That's Sorry, that's from Taxi Driver. <laughs> it, says, it said up. Push-ups. No, no, no. Yoga. You're going too fast. You, we, you have to, we, have, we start with the first one. Up. Yes. So that's me waking up. <laughs> that's the first instruction that I give myself is to become conscious. Next one. Is to rouse yourself. Then push-ups. How many are you I doing? 20. I'm going to do 20. That's my rule. 20, 20 push-ups. push-ups. That's to get the blood moving straight mm-hmm. away. Next. Yoga. Yeah, that can be interchanged with stretching. Sometimes I'll do like 15 minutes of yoga, sometimes from with internet. Um, Cold with, shower. Yeah. At the moment, I'm only at 20 seconds because I just started okay. doing them again and they are fucking horrible. But <laughs> twi- but hopefully as we come into the warmer months, I can up it. I'm trying to do an extra 10 seconds a day, so hopefully 30 tomorrow. Okay. Um, meal. Is that what it says? Uh no, that's med for meditate. Med. Ah, oh, right. Ten minutes. And then there it goes on. I've got green tea. Green tea. And then I'm supposed to, then I'm supposed to journal. Just add a chapter to your manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got chapter to manifesto. And then I've also got continue uh, bomb manufacturing. My kitchen table is just bits of bomb 
and manifest. <laughs> it's a notebook and then just a bomb that I'm making. <laughs> Every just day. Two cups of red berry tea. And... Two cups of red berry tea. My question to you, John, got to be this. With a morning routine like this, you tell me how a man can even fail. <laughs> <laughs> You can't. I mean, I even if I can. if I tried to fuck my life up after that kind mm. of routine, after the mm. the, the I, call, I call push-ups shups because I don't like the pu at the start of the word, so I call them shups. So I'm <laughs> doing a few shups to so start get my up. day. Twenty shups. I'm stretching. <laughs> Stretch, stretching out my body because I'm getting it and getting all yeah. old and rickety now. I'm in that iced mm. shower. And then I'm meditating, I'm focusing on nothing but my breath and mm. my childhood trauma often comes in for a few <laughs> thoughts for Pro- about nine few, minutes, 55 of frames. the 10-minute meditation. <laughs> <laughs> I have five seconds of breath and nine minutes, 55 of childhood trauma. Mine is, um, mine is regretting the past, worrying about the future. <laughs> And then a couple of couple of good seconds in there of just oh. being present. But you could feel the breath going in and out at the tip of your nose, and then past worrying about past, worrying about future, worrying about past. Yeah, regret past, worry future, regret past, worry future. And yeah, by the time I'm sipping on my green tea and journaling, if I then even tr- if you came into my house and said, "Just fuck this whole day up." I couldn't even mm. if I tried. I still a... come, I'd come home and somehow I'd have 10,000 euros in my pocket, even though I tried. <laughs> I failed again, John. My pockets are somehow stuffed with euros because of that morning routine. <laughs> I just keep killing it. <laughs> if, look, if I'm going to do that morning routine, it's just going to, it's such a, it's an unstoppable river of success that I, if I'm on a, I feel like I'm on a little canoe. Sailing down the torrents of six, the torrents, for anyone who doesn't know, the torrents is a major body of water going through the city of Adelaide. And I'm rushing, I'm on the Popeye, for anybody that doesn't know, Popeye is a Not a great one to choose because it's (laughs) sort of a stagnant river full of carp. But but yeah, let's say the Amazon of success. And your morning routine, John, you were telling me, was you mm. roll over, pick up phone, and put in URL of pornographic website at 6 a.m. <laughs> at 6 a.m. <laughs> With your partner asleep next to you. Just feet away. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing, okay? This is a kind of stop. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, okay? I'm watching. <laughs> That's so grim. I'm watching. <laughs> With their headphones in, but it's still too loud. It's still too loud. <laughs> she rolls over and says, "Love you. Good morning." And I'm like, yeah, and you've got, <laughs> then you've got scotch hit a that little hip, hip flask of scotch hidden around the house in the morning. <laughs> just take, take the edge off. And yet, some, <laughs> and yet somehow, John's the one who's the successful lawyer. 
just shows just shows what society thinks success looks like (laughs) and john you were having success at so last week you were in bali when we did the podcast Mm. and then over the weekend you were on absolutely beautiful part of south australia yeah the flurio peninsula beach middleton because because two of our favorite don't praises brett and peter Shout out to them both. Got married. And yeah, it was a wonderful. Congrats, Brett and Peter. It was a wonderful, wonderful occasion. It's one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Oh. And it felt very, I felt very happy and moved to see them uh, take that step. And I had a wonderful time. And it was my kind of fourth, t- uh, second time in about four weeks uh, in that part of the world, which I hadn't previously been to for a couple of years. So it's been nice. Although I am, I got, I did a red eye back from Bali on Tuesday morning and Mm. then had to work that day. And then three days back in Melbourne. And then I, then I got on the party train again. So I'm pretty, I'm feeling my age right now. Uh, It's Monday night. And I just, after this, I'm just going to probably crawl under the covers. What's your uh, next, uh, what's your next flight next flight will be i've got another wedding in july over here uh, maybe nothing like in europe yeah in that's my right neck in, of the woods. in europe um but i don't think i've got much until then which is kind of march has just been pretty crazy i've got another wedding next next weekend but thankfully it's just in uh in victoria and then i've got uh a few quieter months uh make my pennies make try and make my pennies back before i start hemorrhaging them again yeah what are you gonna uh, do are you gonna come and will you have time to visit me again everybody I hope so yeah everybody we has, have to everybody, talk about that. all of the members of the don't praise the machine machine berlin fan chapter mm. well the wedding will be in france so I'll certainly be there, and I'm and I'm trying to work out the rest of my European itinerary. But I'd love to come and say hi to the DPTM Berlin chapter again. Uh, that was a great experience. Last time we were recorded, of course, I was in Bali, as you've just alluded to, mm. and I was there for about three days and. When I'd been there for about a day, um, a an event occurred at the, in the, on the next island over, which um, is probably the closest I've been to this event, which is that a volcano erupted, Mount Merapi okay. on Java, and um, and Java um, has active volcanoes like a lot of Indonesia, and Mount Merapi I think has been has erupted um, a couple of times in the last few years. Thankfully. It was a fairly minor eruption, but there was a there was a there was a brief period where we were kind of like thinking, "Are we going to be stranded here? Are we going to be able to fly home?" And I I kind of loved the idea that my life would somehow be directly affected by the eruption of a volcano because it was just so random, and volcanoes had kind of existed for me in this. Hollywood space of you know not being quite real. It's a bit like felt a bit like quicksand or something. You know, yeah. like I only ever encountered them in film. And then, as it happened, I managed to get on the red eye, and it was all fine. The wind blew in the right direction, and we could fly. But 
uh, it got me thinking about volcanoes, which led me to this little cul-de-sac, a, a very kind of DPTM piece of ephemera, which is a period in the 90s, right at the height of the disaster movie craze. And maybe we mm. can talk about that. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing in itself, the fact that the late 90s in particular was this sort of, I mean, disaster movies were kind of the Marvel movies of the of the late nineties, yeah, and it reached the point true. where it's it's it just it reached the point where they were kind of you know multiples of essentially the same <laughs> premise, which were coming out on each other's heels. And so, for example, you had Armageddon, which was yeah. about um, a a meteorite or an asteroid on course for Earth. And then you had Deep Impact, which was essentially the same premise, and they just dealt with that premise in slightly different ways, using slightly different casts of characters. But from a distance, those looked like two very similar films. And then you had, in 1997, uh, you had two films, Dante's Peak and Volcano, which were both, uh, which were both about volcanoes erupting in very sort of weirdly similar circumstances in American cities. And as I said, it was kind of in this period where they were just churning out these movies. So in the summer of 1996, uh, Universal Studios put out this ad that announced that Dante's Peak would be opening on March the 7th in 1997. But then uh, <clears throat> 20th Century Fox was had had uh, volcano in production at that time so that prompted them to make a kind of rival announcement saying okay well volcano is going to come out uh, uh on the 28th of february so just a few days before that yeah and then universal said well actually uh dante's peaks now going to come out on the 7th of february <laughs> and there's some and and there was, so there was this kind of arms race between it's an old two. fashioned volcano off <laughs> yeah exactly there was this arms race between these two movies and that generated a bit of time uh, that generated a bit of press attention at the time and so there you had was an to LA times you, article. i remember in the late 90s you had to pick which film yeah. you were going to go and see which it was said a lot about your yeah. identity which, which volcano yeah, that's right. film as a teen were you team deep hip were you team uh, volcano or are you more Armageddon or are you more di are you more Deep Impact are you more <laughs> Independence Day are you more Twister um, it was like which pick your favorite pick the disaster that expresses your character more closely so then yeah I looked at this LA Times article from November 1996 where the Dante's Peak director said um, that he, <clears throat> he didn't want to put it he didn't want to put all this effort into a movie and see it written off because it didn't come out first. And he said, I'd be a liar if I said that I'm not being pressured by marketing people to get the movie out. But we both agreed not to compromise the picture because we've been pushed into a corner by Fox. And in the same article, the producer, one of the producers of Volcano said that she didn't feel competitive with Dante's Peak. She said theirs is an adventure-oriented film, whereas ours <laughs> is a disaster film. Uh, that seems not quite sure if that's a distinction with a real difference, but anyway. Um, and then, and the, I mean, the basic premise of the, f of the films is kind of weirdly similar. So in Dante's <laughs> peak, there's a film, uh, there's a, there's a town called Dante's peak in Washington, which is this really nice, 
uh, city in the, you know, really kind of North American ideal kind of city. And there's a guy called Harry Dalton played by Pierce Brosnan, who is, um, who of course was at, at his peak at that time. And it's basically the plot of Jaws. Like he, he gets alarmed by a series of of events. There's like warning signs that this volcano is going to come, you know, going to get really bad. And then yeah, the his boss is like, um, I don't want to panic the town because there's no sort of there's nothing that rises Classic. to the level of a traditional warning. And then of course Dante's Peak blows in spectacular fashion and uh, destroys the town as everyone flees, and they have to. I think that I think that um, two main protagonists have to drive up the mountain to save uh, the female protagonist's children. She's played by Linda Hamilton, who's um, yeah, uh, from Terminator Two, of course. And and then they, you know, then they kind of then they rescue the kids and everything's fine. Whereas Volcano was Tommy Lee Jones playing this, you know, playing this single dad whose daughter was, was visiting. I can only imagine he played. The same character he plays in every single movie, like a kind of taciturn Texan man, and then uh, and then he uh, he gets all of the. Then he's in L.A. and L.A. basically blows up, and there are kind of lava bombs all over the streets of L.A. <laughs> and that, and he tries to kind of coordinate the various departments of L.A.'s emergency services, which are at loggerheads with each other, into action, and. Yeah, I, f- I found it really interesting reading about these, um, reading about these, these films. Partly because the guy who wrote the script for Volcano was interviewed, and he talked about how he was a kind of very well educated and, and, by his own admission, quite pretentious screenwriter who was writing Volcano as a kind of initially as a kind of allegory for the Rodney King events and about the kind of. <laughs> moral what? decline of LA and it was oh, supposed okay. to be represented by a volcano. But then of course what happened to it is what happens to all those films where it just got like all the, all the kind of nuance got stripped out of it until it was just like a dumb <laughs> volcano movie and, then, and had, had none of the kind of symbolism that he, that he was originally aiming for. And then, uh, and then they, you know, naturally they both came out. They were both fairly critically panned and not really very profitable i think yeah but they had i've just looked up john i've just looked up at their rotten tomato scores while i've been on yeah so the the audience score for dante's peak is 38 percent and the audience score for volcano is 32 percent yeah okay there you go so fairly so yeah the, the consensus seems to be that volcano was slightly shitter um and there was a um, there was a battle between the two studios, uh, which extended to a foolish decision. This is I'm quoting from an article here: foolish decision on Universal's part to claim that its movie was also the more scientifically accurate. To that end, Universal Studios invited scientists to a free screening of Dante's Peak to get their approval, which backfired. And in an LA Times piece published around the time of the film's release. Uh, a writer noted most of the dozen volcano experts interviewed at length after the screenings faulted the film for exaggerations and for compressing what was what happened at the mythical peak in the Cascade Range to a time frame that was far too short. And meanwhile, I think the uh, guy who was the kind of scientific consultant on Volcano 
gave an interview where he said he basically held his tongue for the whole time because <laughs> all this ridiculous shit happening, like lava going uphill. And, but I just, I mean, I, I, I love it. It just reminded me of that particular period where having people like scientific consultants on a movie to mm. help, help you frame the particular disaster scenario that you had, that you had in mind for your movie, such an odd, it's such an odd concept. I mean, why bother being scientifically accurate? Who gives a shit? Probably, but, uh, but it, probably so that afterwards you can just tell the media that you had a scientific consultant on the film. So yeah, people that's will be right. Like, no, no, no. They had a scientific <laughs> consultant, so this is yeah. what could really happen. This could happen, and I like to think that. I mean, we we were sort of um, eulogising the '90s recently on the podcast we've done so several times before but we were particularly talking about how people look back on the 90s now and i like to think of it as a kind of a rare period of relative calm in the you know the sort of relatively unchallenged hegemony of the united states after the cold mm, war and it's true. you know it was it was the kind of the people were doing what doing on mass what i like to always do when i don't have enough to deal with which is to concoct reasons to worry so we were we were uh we were going through this cultural moment where we were like oh we don't have to worry about the cold war anymore but maybe an asteroid's gonna hit us or maybe a volcano is gonna blow up or maybe you know aliens are gonna come and start attacking us there's got to be something so it was tapping into this weird weird subconscious uh fear of being in a position which was actually relatively peaceful for a lot of people in the US at that time. That's very true, John. I, I hadn't thought of that. It's 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 definitely the result I would ex, I would expect of mm. the fact that there was no longer a nuclear threat for the first mm. time in forty years, mm. and it was just pre nine eleven. So people were comfortable yeah. with like massive fireballs shooting out of planes and buildings and feeling like that <laughs> exactly. was a kind of fantasy that you could calmly engage with. Yeah. Whereas once yeah, September right. 11 happened, nobody wanted to see that certainly for a while. Nobody wanted to no. actually see fireballs in buildings. Yeah, that's right. And it was, I mean, that really changed, I think the course of, movie making because I remember around September 11, there was a whole bunch of films which were, you know, based on fireballs of various kinds as, <laughs> as movies, as movies era. of that era tended to be. Yeah, exactly. They were all like movies about terrible shit happening because people just couldn't get enough of that. But then when terrible shit did happen, they were like, oh, well, we can't have this anymore because um, it's we're kind of borderline. We're actually afraid of this. It's, and, exactly. And it's it's borderline taste. offensive or audiences are just going to be like, oh, I didn't go, to, I didn't come to the movies to be reminded of real shit that's going on in the world. So they pulled a lot of these movies, or or in some cases edited scenes, and that was the kind of you know sudden death of the disaster film genre, at least for, for that particular run in its history. I guess there was a period, you know, thirty or forty years earlier where there are a lot of similar films, and I don't know why what cultural similarities that might have had. But yeah, it was a it was funny to think back to that time and really to think back to the fact that to think back to it because anytime I in, hear about something like a volcano, it has this kind of weird nineties overlay for me. Because <laughs> because my my the first few times I as a person that I thought like deeply about the potential for natural disasters, it was because of this 
uh, constant torrent of disaster movies that was coming out of Hollywood. But um, but there you go. So I encourage our listeners go back and uh, watch maybe maybe watch some of the best examples of that genre, which probably doesn't include Dante's Peak or Volcano. But you know, by all means, watch those films. See if you can spot the similarities. Apparently, there is a uh, noble and grisly death of a key supporting character in both films. In one case, oh. uh, a lake is turned into acid. I'm not sure why. And um, a grandmother dies throwing her children to safety. In another case, a kind of minor character in Volcano dies re- rescuing an injured conductor from a subway car. And he's th- he's uh, consumed by magma. There's a, There's dog rescue scenes in both movies. Obviously, that was... Uh, something that was having a bit that was testing well with audiences, just having a side scene where a dog was almost killed by a volcano, but then wasn't. Uh, so both of the movies have that. <laughs> and, uh, and you get to see some real giants of the genre, Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, all the greats. Guys, Go down to your local video store and rent out a VHS copy of Dante's Peak and Volcano. Watch them yeah, back, back to back. Make it a double bill at your house that night <laughs> and get back yeah. to us. Let us know. Now, I'm, I'm sure that there were video stores back in the day that were trying to package them up as a double bill. Have a... Have a lava Friday <laughs> on us. Hey, guys, have a... Invite all your friends around for a volcano-themed double bill party at your house with a volcano with molten cheese coming out of it that you can... <laughs> exactly. They had... Fondue. They had uh, chili cheese fries and, uh, and Dante's Peak and Volcano. What a night. been reading some articles lately about an issue that I think's got DPTM written all over it, and that is the phenomenon of fubbing, mm-hmm. which actually is an Australian term, a portmanteau. You can always rely on Australians to find the quickest and silliest way to say something. And I was, uh, they... just quickly, I was, saw this yesterday. I follow an excellent uh, running, funny running Instagram group, and they were referring to... A stress fracture is a stressy. <laughs> I can totally see that. Just two, two Australian jocks going, oh, yeah, you got a little stressy, mate. Yeah, I've got a bloody um, stressy. So, yeah, fubbing. Fubbing, which is a, a combination of the words phone and snubbing. And so it's phone snubbing, which is, you know, pretty pretty easy to relate to. It's when you are... In a situation where you would normally be interacting with somebody, making eye contact, having a conversation, but that person has pulled out their phone, either just kind of in in a casual sort of half-assed way so that they are in between talking to you, they are looking at something on their phone, or maybe the phone beeps mid-conversation and instead of just going, 
I'm in conversation with this person, so I won't uh, look at that because it'll just be mm. somebody sending me an emoji. They'll pull it out and just make sure that they respond to it because their mm. um, their brain circuitry <laughs> demands that they do that. Or the um, you know, or they'll be like with their kid, and they'll be sort of half-assedly paying attention to their kid, or maybe their kid will be half-heartedly paying attention to them because one or the other of them is fucking around on the phone. Or you'll be with your boss and your boss will be, you know, you'll be trying to convey to your boss that in a, the politest way possible that some aspect of your job is unsustainable and you want to kill them. But the boss is, um, the boss rather than listening to your concerns is kind of paying attention to something which is seemingly more urgent on the phone. All of those are examples of fubbing and there's been quite a bit of research in the last 12 to 18 months about the various deleterious damaging effects of fubbing on like the quality of people's relationships on people's capacity for attention on their emotional intelligence and so on and yeah i find it quite interesting partly because i've been in some situations recently where you know you might be interacting with people in a relatively general sort of social setting like for example when i was with jacinta's family it at in Bali and there was a bunch of us sitting at a table and like, you, you know, you, you have a bit of a chat and then there's a bit of a lull in the conversation and maybe you feel like nobody will really care or notice if I just get out my phone and pretend I'm addressing something urgent, but I'm actually just dicking around on my phone. But then I, and I, but I always find that sort of a slightly, it's like a kind of etiquette gray area. And it's also a, I mean, another perhaps even slightly grayer area is where people are not even interacting with their phone, but they just have it out and they've got it maybe in their hand or maybe it's like resting on the table, but it might be kind of resting face up so that when you're talking to them, mm. you can see that they might have it on silent, but you can see these little pings coming up as you're talking and you can see their eyes kind of darting over to it and their brains going, look at your phone, look at your phone, look at your phone. And uh, yeah, it just, it all seems like, I mean, what I like to think about is, just how weird, as with all this stuff, you think back to a time when when it would have been totally unacceptable to just segue away from a conversation and look at something. Mm. And even now, I think, what if I just had like a Game Boy and I was doing that with my Game Boy? <laughs> and <laughs> people, people would go like, John, John's lost his mind. I um, but, That's great. You've, it'd also be... Particularly excellent if you pulled out an original Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Just started Um I have, you'll be surprised to know, John, that I have yeah. extremely strong opinions on this. <laughs> I thought you might. And I actually don't think that, I, I appreciate that there isn't a kind of established etiquette. Yeah. But I think there's a pretty common sense etiquette mm. thing to it where if you want me to be a friend of yours ever. <laughs> I mean my 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 thing is just that I think the time when it becomes acceptable to sort of be on your phone is really only yeah. if you're in a social setting it's really only after you've spent like 
almost an exhausting amount of social time with people and everybody kind of accepts that, okay, we're all going to be on our phones now. And that kind of has to be after like hours of it. So for me, that often happens on like group group holidays. Uh, Yeah. Maybe on like the third day, it's like, okay, now's the time when we can all, we're all hung over and we can all lay on the couch and just be on our phones because we've made a huge social effort with one another and everybody just wants to not think for mm. uh in the same way that you moment. might kind of go if we all had books or magazines we'd probably exactly. have them out yeah mm. but i think i think before that then just in in every if you're out to dinner with people if you mm. are with other people then it should uh, unless it's some kind of emergency or if you want to check it then Mm. go into another room is essentially Mm. the kind of thing i would say i don't want to if if i'm with a group of people and like one of those people if we're all talking if there's like five of us all talking and laughing and then somebody just decides for any like i don't mind like split second checks under the table for like sure i gotta just there might be this thing i need to check and maybe if there's a message that's important then i'll duck out of the room but yeah, anything yeah. more than like a glance <laughs> occasionally, yeah. if somebody yeah. just decides during that interaction that I'm this is just not going holding to my attention, so I'm just going to dick around with my phone. Yeah, I'm just going to be on my phone for like because I'll I'll notice I'll go like okay, there's the glance. Okay, it's getting a bit yeah. longer, uh, and then they might yeah. look. Then they'll try and like play it off by looking up and going, ha ha ha, yeah, that's a good point you made, and then look <laughs> down again, and then yeah. suddenly. They are staring in their lap for yeah two minutes yeah <laughs> and yeah. I just don't think that's cool. No, I think I I mean I enjoyed reading these articles because I just thought this is a weird thing that we've sort of s- slipped into tolerating. Or some people, I know you wouldn't tolerate it, but. Um, some, some people, some people have slipped into either doing it or tolerating other people doing it. And that, you know, and and nobody, I mean, it doesn't make anyone feel particularly good, but I think probably just naming it in these articles and saying like, look, obviously this is kind of pretty crap behavior. And if you were talking about anything else, like, I don't know if you were just kind of, if you just like you were mid conversation and you, you pull out your game boy or you just put a book (laughs) over your face and start reading the book, people would be like, what have I said? Have I said the wrong thing? Why can't we just keep talking? I guess the thing, um, the difference with the phone is that somebody can uh, like, if it's just a game boy or a book, then it's pure entertainment. It would be like somebody with the mm. phone, just taking out their phone and starting to watch a YouTube video quite loudly. And you'd go, (laughs) well, hang on. But people can always claim that whatever they're doing is some kind of communication with somebody else that's important. Yeah, which it might be. It might in the rarest of occasions. Yeah, or that, or it starts off as that, and then they just put, you know, suddenly they're just on Instagram, dicking around. But you're right. Like, imagine if you were, if they just had to had the sound on, and then you know you you were just suddenly we're hearing this like instructional video on how to tie a Windsor knot or something. And you're like, why is this person <laughs> just checking out? But, uh, but I think, I think, you know, I think I want to use this platform to say, I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit to not fubbing. And I urge you to 
take a firm line, an anti-fubbing line, mm. but it's not cool. I'm I'm not sure. I I feel like the I feel like fubbing is just not. Uh, it it's it's it doesn't infer that the person is doing enough wrong somehow. I feel mm. like it's the wrong word for what they're mm. talking about. Like, and I don't feel like it's a. It's too fun. It's too fun and like snub, snub. And it's not really a snub because people typically aren't consciously. A snub is yeah. when people, when you consciously dismiss somebody. And what's hap- what, of course, has happened with all this technology is all this stuff's happening kind of on a, in this between world of conscious and unconscious where you're just, you're yeah. kind of, you're, you're being trained to glance at this thing all the time. So mm, I don't know. And I your sense can't of come attention up with, is just eroded. can't come up with one on the spot. Um, yeah. Maybe uh, being a cunt. <laughs> just, yeah. It's not as, uh, not as catchy, but <laughs> so you're saying funting. <laughs> I mean, F- phone, phone cunting. Yeah, phone cunting. Uh, we should talk about we should talk about phones. I mean, I have so much to say on phones. Like, just we could do a whole phone etiquette episode. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, I don't really, do I don't want to necessarily get into it now, but. I, yeah. I think there really needs to be etiquette around even showing people things on your phone in social mm. settings. As in, mm-hmm. I think if you've seen if you've seen a meme and you're like, if you're in a group of people and you've this, this is another thing. If it's if it's more than one other per, if it's one other person and it's the fucking mm-hmm. greatest meme that you've ever said, then I will mm. say something like, "Look, you've just reminded me of this meme that I think is one of the greatest memes ever." And so mm. I'm, I'm just going to show it to you extremely briefly. And then I'll pull out my phone and go, here it is. And then phone goes back in mm. the pocket. Yeah. But like fucking f- five people and somebody says, I've just thought of this really good meme. Let me show it to you all. <laughs> no. <laughs> like that is not cool. Like we're all having yeah, a conversation yeah, yeah. And something yeah. I've said has reminded you of what ends up being a fairly average meme. <laughs> and now suddenly we've gone from everybody just connecting and being humans together to now you've brought a glowing poison rectangle into the group that everybody has to <laughs> glance at. I'm like, yeah. that is not cool. And then uh, and then just probably licensed everyone else to pull out their own poison exactly, rectangle. Exactly what happens mm. or it leads on to, mm. oh, and you know what this reminds me of is this fucking YouTube mm. video. And then everybody's just glowing of... poison rectangling themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So we could do a whole We need to just We could write we could write a book on mobile phone etiquette. Yeah. Just but, when but, you get to the pub, have put it in the lockbox. Yeah. Collect it at the end of the night. Like it's like you're going to see the premiere of a brand new disaster movie film and you gotta put your mm. phone in a mm. lockbox. <laughs> so yeah, write in and tell us what phone-related etiquette topics you want us to cover because I do feel like this could be a ongoing theme. If you guys tell us what phone etiquette you think is acceptable, and we'll read out your email communication on mm. the air. Let me know what techniques you've used. Parents mm. out there, are you? letting mobile f- or your kids on their phones at the dinner table have you failed as a parent and that's something that you allow let us know mm. you look around the table and it's just a bunch of funts is that what happens 
Uh, I like Funt because it's, it's, yeah, just, I think this is great, John. I'm going to say so-and-so is being a Funt. I think this could be, this, this is way better than fubbing. And it's also particularly yeah, yeah, yeah. Australian. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so whoever wrote that Funt, that, that fubbing article, we're going to write in and yeah. say, no, you've got it wrong. You'll need to write a correction. Yeah. It's Funt, Funting. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 102 of Praise the Machine. And what a fantastic episode it's been. We've absolutely loved talking to you about social etiquette surrounding mobile phone use in social settings. Let's get serious, guys. It's not fubbing anymore. It's funting. Guys, did you know that funting comes from the Don't Praise the Machine podcast? It's been such a joy talking to you about the explosion of late 90s disaster movies treading on each other's disastrous narrative arcs. Guys, this weekend, why not treat yourself to a catastrophic disaster movie double bill? You can go with Dante's Peak and Volcano, Outbreak and 12 Monkeys, or Deep Impact and Armageddon. It'll be the end of the world as you know it, but you'll feel fine. Thank you so much, everybody. As always, I've been one of your hosts and I go by the name Alexander Holland. As always, I'm sad. Digitally next to my number one pod pamphlet, he's got to be the one called John Maloney. Thanks so much, everybody. Don't forget to stay prayed up and we'll see you next week. Uh, the podcast.